Take your Bible this morning and turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. <coughs> 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to read three verses and then get right into the message this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 18 down through 20. Let's all stand together, if you would. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. Verse 18 says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which, were, which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word as it goes forth, and we pray that, it, that the word of God this morning in all of our hearts would have free course. We ask God that the Spirit of God would have liberty in this place this morning and that would have free course in our hearts as the Word of God and the Spirit of God are preached and, and the Word of God is preached and the Spirit of God works in our hearts. We pray, God, that we would be responsive to you, the Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and draw us just a little bit closer to you. I'm thankful for each one that's here. I'm thankful, God, for the opportunity and the freedom that we have to be able to be in church and to, to freely be able to worship our God. We pray, God, that you'd help us to do so responsibly. We pray, Father, that you'd help us to, to uh, keep our hearts and minds fixed on you. And we'll be careful to thank you for the work you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. These three verses uh, affect the whole book, First Timothy and Second Timothy, or, were books that were written, letters that were written to Timothy by the Apostle Paul. Uh, Timothy, according to Paul, was his son in the faith. I don't know if that means that he led him to Christ or that uh, he trained him in the ministry or both. But, but he has, there was a special relationship between, between Paul and Timothy. And uh, he wanted to make sure that Timothy stayed straight. He wanted to make sure that Timothy stayed strong from his standpoint the purpose of the letters, I'm sure, were to strengthen him, encourage him, exhort him, and uh, just to, to, uh, to help build him up in the faith so that he would take a stand for Jesus Christ. The thing that he was concerned about, and really it's the concern that, that uh, all of us need to have, not only for one another, but also for ourselves, is, is the idea of being shipwrecked in the faith and in our conscience. And this is possible. I mean, we're talking about saved people, and we're talking about people that have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and, and yet the, the terms that are used in verse 19 says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Ever thought about what happens when, when, a, when a, a ship gets wrecked? Uh, there's some things that occur to that ship. First of all, it's damaged. And because it's damaged, because it's shipwrecked, it cannot sail. In other words, it cannot perform the functions that it was designed to do. When you and I as Christians are shipwrecked, 
We are hindered from doing that which God would have us to do, what we have been designed to do. And then secondly, uh, reaching the goal is hindered. Or, or it could even be, depending on how bad the shipwreck is, it could, could not only be hindered, it can be negated from, from reaching the goal. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about the, the goal that God has for your life. The truth of the matter is, every single person in here, God's got a plan for your life. God's got some goals for your life. God's got ministries that he wants you to participate in. And uh, he, he's, got, he's got things that he wants you to do for him. Those things can be hindered and they can even be totally stopped uh, if, if our lives go shipwrecked. The, the third thing about a, a ship when it's wrecked is it's got to be repaired. And uh, if you're going to put it back in the water and if, you're go- if it's able to continue to go, uh, it's going to take time and it's going to be costly. Uh, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've said this over and over again, and I'm going to say it again because it's really true. Sin is never, ever, ever your friend. Uh, sin always brings difficulty, always brings ruin, always brings heartbreak, and oftentimes it'll even bring shipwreck. And in order to get that ship back going again, it's going to take time and it's going to be costly. Uh, sometimes, again, because of the, the damage that has been done, repair isn't, isn't, even, isn't even available, isn't even, uh, isn't even an option. It's not possible. This, option, uh, this, this admonition is given to Timothy. Now, understand, Timothy was brought up by his mother and his grandmother. There's very little said about his dad. Uh, his dad was a Greek. It sounds like his dad was not a believer. And uh, so, so he really didn't have that male influence until Paul came along, and Paul was a good influence to him. It, you know, just from what I read about Timothy in, in, uh, in the book of Acts and, and what I read in the, in the epistles, uh, it sounds like Timothy was a, a good young man. He loved the Lord. He wanted to do right. And yet Paul thought it important to warn him and to warn him that he could put his, by his faith and his conscience, he could make his life a shipwreck. I think that's a warning to all of us. Uh, Any one of us could end up being a year from now shipwreck in the Christian life. And we need need to take very, very seriously the fact that, that that just doesn't happen to other people. It happens to people just like you and just like me. And there's some things that, that lead up to and cause a shipwreck. And one of the things that God brought to my attention was, is, well, you know what, there was an actual shipwreck that Paul was involved in. In fact, uh, uh, he, when, when, when he wrote this epistle to Timothy, this is in 65 A.D. He went through a shipwreck in 62 A.D., so when he talks about shipwreck, Paul knows what he's talking about. Take your Bibles and turn with you to the book of Acts. And go to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Paul is, Paul is uh, a prisoner. He's, he's uh, uh, on his way to Rome. And he gets into a ship, and the, the, the end result of that ship ride was that the ship got wrecked. There are some things that, that uh, led up to that shipwreck. If you look with me in verses 1 through 6, 
It says, and when it was determined that we should sail into, into Italy, they, they uh, uh, delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band, and entering into a ship of Ad, Adramitium, uh, we launched, meaning to sail by the, the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends and to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had would sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. Notice in, in the, the very first verse, it says that they did exactly what they were supposed to be doing. It says, and when it was determined that we should sail unto Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. So this was something that they were supposed to do. This was something that they should do, and so therefore they launched. Understand, however, uh, you know, just because you're doing what God wants you to do and just because you're doing something that you should do does not mean that the journey is always going to be smooth. It does not mean that there isn't going to be any waves. It does not mean that there will be no opposition. In fact, what I have found to, to be true is just the opposite. You do what God wants you to do, and there will be opposition, and there will be things that will try to deter you uh, from, from uh, uh, getting the job accomplished that you know that God would have you to do. And that was, that was the case with, with this ship trip. It ended up, end, ended up being a shipwreck. And there are certain things that led up to that, and we'll see that in the story. Look down in verses 7, seven and 9. It says, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salome. In verse 9, Now when much time was spent, when sailing was now dangerous, because of the fast, the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them. Uh, weather conditions had changed, and uh, sailing became dangerous, but they became impatient. It, it, I notice there's two phrases that are used in these two verses. One is, sailed slowly many days. They didn't go as fast as they wanted to go. And then secondly, much time was spent. One of, the, one of the difficulties we have is when things don't go exactly the way that we planned, exactly the way that we think that it ought to go. We get impatient. And impatience is one of the first steps towards shipwreck in the Christian life. One of the, one of the things that I have noticed, and I would encourage you to, to take your, your uh, Bibles in a concordance, and take that word patience, and take that word patient and take that word patiently and look up the number of times just in the new testament how often it it occurs and what kind of of value god puts on patience in the christian life we were just talking about it this morning someone gave a i uh, lee i think it was gave the the verse 
uh, from 1 Thessalonians. It says, be patient unto all men. Uh, patience is found all the way through Scripture. And one of the things that Jesus said, now he's talking specifically about tribulation period, but the principle is true in any age and in any time. He says, in patience, possess ye your souls. And there's a lot of truth to that. When, when the patience is lost, then we start to go down the, the wrong road. And we get ahead of God and we take matters into our own hands, and that's exactly what these guys did. Uh, you see examples of this over and over again in Scripture. And every time, every time patience has been lost, tragedy occurs. And, and, and so, some, of, some, of the, some of the difficulties that come because of a lack of patience in, in the Christian life are very, very difficult, sometimes impossible to repair. An example of this in the Old Testament was when Abraham and Sarah were told that they would have a child. And years went by, and years went by, and time went by, and still no child. And so Sarah comes up with this brilliant idea that, well, listen, I've got a handmaid. Maybe what we should do is just have the child, but have the child through our, our handmaid, and that was Hagar. And uh, so, so he went in unto her, and they ended up having a child, Ishmael. Well, was that God's plan? No, it wasn't, because after that, uh, God allowed uh, Sarah to, to give birth, and she gave birth to Isaac. But can I tell you something? Ishmael has been giving Isaac problems from that day till this, okay? And uh, that, that ended up uh, giving birth to the, the Arab nations, uh, Ishmael. And uh, given, given uh, the, the Jewish people nothing but fits, what, what was the problem? They became impatient. It didn't go the way they thought that it ought to go, and so, well, we'll just hurry things along. Uh, that is a dangerous, dangerous step to take in the Christian life. Uh, Saul and Samuel, Saul was made king, and they were getting ready to go up against the Philistines. And when they, uh, before they were going to, to go, uh, Samuel had already given orders, wait until I get there. And he says, when I, after I get there, we'll make a sacrifice, and then you can go into battle. Well, Samuel, Samuel must have been an independent fundamental Baptist preacher because he was late. And uh, he, uh, he, he was not on time, and Saul got antsy. And so what Saul did was he said, well, listen, he's not here, so I'll go ahead and give the sacrifice. Now, that was a mistake. Why? Because he was a king, he wasn't a priest. And that was not his job, that was not his position. Uh, but impatience will cause you to do that, things like that. It'll cause you to overstep the line. Uh, Abraham was called to, uh, to, to leave his kindred and, and to journey. And as he began to journey, of course, every step of the way, God would give him instruction. But it went, at, at, very early on, there was a famine in the land, and so rather than waiting for instruction... And, and I believe with all my heart, God would have taken care of him. He would have provided for him, even in spite of the famine, because God had called him out. What God calls for, he provides for. He takes care of. And, uh, and he would have done that for, for Abram. But, uh, but he got nervous, and he looked down into Egypt, and he saw that Egypt was well taken care of, so he went down there. And uh, 
uh, because of going down there, there's all kinds of problems that ensued afterwards. His wife uh, almost was defiled by the Egyptians. Uh, he, put, he put his wife in danger. He put the entire, uh, in, all of the, uh, the folks that were with him in danger. Uh, ended, ended up bringing back with them uh, Hagar, because she was an Egyptian. That, that was where he picked her up, and we know the rest of that story. Impatience will just cause problem after problem after problem, and that ends up being oftentimes the very first thing that occurs just before or, or before all the other things fall in the line and a, and a ship gets wrecked or a, an individual's life becomes shipwrecked. Don't get ahead of God. Um, one of the things that, that I have learned over the years, I'm still learning, and that is uh, I'd rather be a little extra cautious and possibly a little late than to be too early, get ahead of God. You can do the right thing, and you can do it with the right motive, but you do it at the wrong time, and it can ruin the whole thing. And, uh, and I've, I've, seen, I've seen people do this over and over and over again in the Christian life. Uh, that's why God puts such a premium on patience. And there's things that you learn by being patient that you just won't learn any other way. And patience really strengthens your faith. It doesn't cause it to be shipwrecked. It strengthens it and, and it makes you stronger. There's, there's a second, second thing that, uh, that led to shipwreck. Look down in verses 10 and 11 of uh, Acts 27. Verse 10 says, And said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage, this is Paul speaking, will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the, of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Uh, what happens is uh, when we take worldly counsel instead of godly counsel, we end up heading toward a shipwreck. And sometimes that worldly counsel can even come from saved people. That's why it's so important to, to get godly counselors to be uh, sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God as he leads you and guides you into all truth in the Scripture and spend time in your Bible daily. Spend time in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to, to give you instruction and, and direction. Uh, you don't have all the wisdom that you need. You have the sources for all the wisdom you need, but you don't have all the wisdom you need. Uh, when, when we get in trouble is when we think we've got it all. And, and I, you know, I've, I, I've seen this. I've, I've fallen into that, into that category where I think, you know, I'm smarter than everybody else, and, and I, I have the answers. I'll tell you what. Uh, what that is, is that's a proudful spirit. And a proudful spirit, well, just like an impatient spirit, will never end up in anything good. It'll always end up in destruction. You don't have all the wisdom you need. And, uh, you know, there's even guys that will say, well, I've got the Bible and I've got the Holy Spirit, and that's all I need. Well, the Bible says that uh, godly counsel, and the book of Proverbs is full of verses about godly counsel. And, and the truth of the matter is there's some, there's some folks, for instance, in this church, 
There are folks that know some things from this book that you don't know. I'll go so far as to say this. There's some folks that have experienced some things and gotten some wisdom out of this book that I don't know yet. You know what that means? That means we need each other. That means that it's, it's important for us to get counsel from one another, to, to, to help one another along the way. That's exactly what Paul was trying to do. He was just trying to help them. He was just trying to be a blessing to them. And they decided to take the worldly counsel over the godly counsel. And again, I have watched this over and over and over again where folks uh, get, get taken in by the world, get taken in. Uh, you know, you, you, you hear the term. This is really a contradiction of terms. But uh, when, when, I was in, uh, when I was in Bible college, there was a course I took. It was only for one semester, thank the Lord. But uh, it was only one semester. But it was Christian psychology. You know what? Christian psychology is a lot like Christian rock. Okay? It's, it's, it, there's nothing Christian about it. It's mixing the world with the Bible and trying to come up with something. And that is not a good mixture at all because they're contrary one to the other. And so, so uh, get good counsel. Spend time in your Bible and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, God's, God's people oftentimes... We oftentimes handle things in very, very humanistic ways. And we need to be very careful. How many of you folks, how many of you folks went to school in a public school? Raise your hand. Okay, that's most of the church. Okay, my hand's up too. My hand's up too. Now, as this church continues to go on because of some of you, the faithfulness of, of many of you parents, uh, your children will not raise their hand. They'll never raise their hand. Uh, that, that was never an option for us with our children to, to educate them and to let them get scholastic education from, from, from the world system. It just wasn't, it wasn't an option. Uh, but understand this, all of you that had, had your hand up, you're full of humanism. You were trained in it. Now, I am too. I'm not as full of it now. As I, of course, there's something people think that I'm really full. Anyway, baloney we're talking about. But, uh, but, but, the, but the truth is, is that uh, I may not have as much of it today as I had 30 years ago. In fact, I know I don't. But there's still some things there. And if you're not careful, you'll go in the wrong direction. And it's so important that you get, get proper counseling. Uh, often, oftentimes, uh, God allows both kinds of counseling to come your way. You'll go, you'll go to one person, and, and they'll give you a Bible verse for, for one thing. You go to another person, they'll give you a Bible verse, and it'll go exactly the opposite. You say, well, what in the world do I do? You ask God for discernment. And that's how you grow. Now, the truth of the matter is, sometimes, even in doing all of that, you bump your nose. Even in doing all of that, uh, you know, there, there have been times when I thought I was doing that which was right, and I was wrong. Well, you, know, you say, well, that's terrible. Not if you learn from it. Not if you learn from it. And not if you allow God to be your instructor in that thing. There's another thing that, that uh, leads toward being shipwrecked. Look down in verse 12. 
says, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. What happened was they got into a, into a situation that was comfortable. And so they allowed comfort to dictate direction. Can I tell you something? Uh, God does not always, in fact, often does not lead you in the way that is the most comfortable. He leads you in ways that are right. He leads you in ways that are pure. He leads you in ways that are true, but not necessarily comfortable. In fact, one of the things that Jesus did when he was on his, in his earthly ministry, and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see this over and over and over again. He, he seemed to go out of his way sometimes to uh, test someone's spirit by making things uncomfortable for them or making things difficult for them. Uh, he went up to a man who had much, much riches, and he said, well, what do I have to do? He says, there's only one thing you got left to do. He says, sell all that you have and follow me. Oh, was that comfortable? No, not at all. But was it right? Yes, it was. But the young man never did that because he followed comfort rather than instead of following that which God had had him do. Um, he, he had people come up to him and, and uh, want to follow him. And he said, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have necks, but the Son of Man hath not to, where to rest his head. He, basically what he's saying is, I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. You want to follow me? Help yourself. You don't find anything about that person thereafter. Why? Well, because they decided to follow comfort. Uh, he, he told another, another individual, he said, let the dead bury the dead. He, they wanted to stay until some of their loved ones had passed away. And he said, no, he said, let the dead bury the dead. He constantly put a difficulty or a less comfortable type of situation in front of them to test their spirit. And, uh, uh, you know, the truth is comfort shouldn't even be an issue. Jesus said this. He says, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, you know what? Denying yourself is not comfortable. <laughs> ever been on a diet? Huh? Have you, how many of you ever been on a diet? Okay. Is that comfortable? You enjoy doing that? If you do, you're sick. Okay? I'm just telling you right now. Uh, the, the truth is, is that anytime we deny ourselves anything, it's not a comfortable situation. And they said, pick up your cross. Well, cross isn't, a, isn't an instrument of comfort. It's an instrument of suffering. And, and be careful of making decisions that are based upon comfort. I, here's, here's, here's a famous one I see happen all the time. Well, preacher, I got, I got a job offered in such and such a place. Uh, such and such a town, such and such a city. Of course, it's another state because I'm fleeing the taxes of New York. And uh, uh, so, so uh, and, and, and my next question is, well, good. Have you found a church? No, but we're definitely going to look for it. Whoa, stop. You're letting the paycheck, you're letting the job... You're letting the nice house, whatever it is, make the decision. That's comfort leading. 
That's comfort leading. Listen, if there's not a good church, you shouldn't go there. I'll be, I'll be just that, that bold and brass. Uh, it's, it, you ought to put that as number one, not on the tail end of the thing. You say, well, that could make moving difficult. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to deny yourself, to pick up your cross, and to follow him? Uh, comfort is not the thing that ought to be an issue. Comfort should never be the deciding factor. Now, there's another thing that led to shipwreck. Look, look uh, in verse, again in verse 12. It says, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. The more part advised. In other words, the majority of people said, let's go. Let, you know, uh, let, let's, let's do this thing. And so they took a majority vote rather than following what was true and what was right. The Apostle Paul got some wisdom from God and he tried to pass it on to these guys and they wouldn't take it. Uh, we need to, to make sure that we do what is, what, what is right, what is true, and what is good, not just what the majority thinks is right and what the majority is, is approved with. Uh, it says the more part advised, and he decided to go with the majority. Uh, you know, the truth of the matter is the majority is often wrong. The majority is often wrong. Uh, when when uh, uh, when uh, God's when Moses uh, sent the uh, twelve spies to spy out Canaan, uh, Joshua and Caleb were in that gr- in that group. There were twelve of them all together. When they came back, ten said, "Uh-uh, no, we're not going there. Uh-uh, no, we can't do this. These guys are too big." Uh, if the task is too great, there's no way we can do this. Two of them said, no, we can do it. Who was right? Well, the, the majority was wrong, and the minority was right, because the minority wanted to follow God. Now, the, the majority convinced the rest of the nation, and they ended up spending 40 years in the wilderness as a result of that. But, but understand, the crowd can be wrong and that's not just the lost crowd saved crowd can be wrong too they can make wrong decisions so make sure that you're not you're not um you're you're not swayed by a majority vote by the way biblical counsel is not getting a majority vote biblical counsel is getting information so that you can make a good decision there are some things, you know, and I, I've, I've done this. I've done this as pastor of this church. I've gone to many of our men and asked them counsel about things. In fact, when we bought, when we bought the house uh, that, uh, that we're presently living in, uh, I kind of fought it tooth and toenail. And uh, one of our men said, Pastor, I really think that uh, God would have you look at that, church, that, that house. I said, I'm not interested in that house. He said, Pastor, I really think you need to look at that house. I'm really not interested. Pastor, I really, okay, I'll look at that stupid house. I looked at the house, and I, and, and I said, whoa, this has got possibilities. And then I took all, a bunch of our guys, and we walked through it, and I said, what do you, what do you think? Well, I like this, and I like that. And, you know, you're going to have to change this, but you can do that. And, and uh, I got some good, some wise counsel. You know what I always like? I like, when I, I like it when I'm standing opposed to something, and then God comes along 
and gives me reasons to switch my stand and become for it. I like to see God move like that. I really, and now, it, there's times when, you know, and there's not a lot of them, but I'll take the right stand right off the bat. <laughs> you know, you may do that too. And that, that's a good thing. But can God move you? Can God change you from one position to another position because it's right? And, and just, you know, be very, very careful of... of uh, uh, of the majority swaying you instead of the truth swaying you. Great example of this, David. He was just a, just a, a lad. He was a, probably a teenager at the time. His father sent him to the front lines. His brothers were in battle. They were in battle against the Philistines. He took some food and supplies to them, and uh, he saw what the giant, Goliath, was doing on a daily basis, mocking God, mocking Israel. Man, he got upset. He got upset. And uh, the, the one that was the biggest opposition against him when he said he wanted to fight Goliath was his own brother. And, and, and that was because of jealousy, I'm sure, and a bunch of other things. But, uh, and, and he was the little brother, and, the, the, and Eliab was the, was the older brother. And, of course, the older brother always knows better and is wiser than the younger brother. And uh, I know because I had an older brother. But, uh, but, but uh, uh, you, you know what David responded? He said, is there not a cause? He didn't let that, that situation, he didn't let really the majority of opinion sway him. He did that which was right. Here's another thing that, that leads to shipwreck. Verse 13, it says, And when the, when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. You know what they did? They allowed, they allowed pleasant circumstances to lead to false conclusions. Should they have continued? No. But because the winds blew softly. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of soft winds. And there's a lot of that coming from pulpits in America, a lot of soft wind coming from pulpits. And uh, uh, that's why folks are sensitive and so forth uh, today, because, because the, the thing that's coming out of a lot of churches is love, joy, peace, and nothing about sin, nothing about righteousness, nothing about truth. Uh, it's just a feel-good type of thing. Uh, be careful of, of uh, allowing pleasant circumstances to make your decisions for you. Are you doing it because it's pleasant, or are you doing it because it's right and it's true? Um, and, and again, be, care, be careful of asking God to give you a sign, asking God to give you, give you, uh, uh, you know, put a fleece out for, uh, for, for God. Just be careful of that stuff. Uh, what you need to do is, and, and the guy who really got me on this was, uh, was Brother Ingalls, Larry Ingalls. And he, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's, treat, he's told his children and he's trained his family that if you're going to make a major decision in life, God will lead you through his word. He'll give you verses. He'll give you truths. And uh, man, what a blessing th that was. And uh, uh, that's true. It, it may not always be pleasant, but it will always be true. Uh, let me show you an example of this. Go to Jeremiah 44. Keep your finger in Acts, but go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 44, 
And look with me in verses 15 through 19. Jeremiah is confronting the people of Israel, and it says in verse, verse, verse um, 15, 44, 15, Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the, the people that uh, dwelt in the land of Egypt in Pathros, answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Now understand what they were doing. They were burning incense to false gods. Is that right or wrong? That's wrong. Okay, verse 17 says, But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. Now that's a false god and to pour out drink offerings unto her, as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, and our princes, in the, the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, for then, in other words, when we had been doing it, now we stopped doing it, and now we're going to start it up again. He says, for then had we plenty of victuals, and were well, and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the, the queen of heaven, we stopped doing it, and to pour out drink offerings unto her, we have wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we, make, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? Uh, what, what, they, they were, what they said is, while we did it, it seemed to be fine, then we stopped, and, you know, uh, famine hit and so forth. And so we're going to go back to it. Forget whether or not it's right. You say, well, wait a minute. Why, why, did, it, why, did, it, why did the blessings, so-called blessings, stop? I believe God was chastening Israel for doing it in the first place. And they looked at the chastening and said, well, that's because we stopped doing it. No, it's because you did it in the first place. And so be careful of pleasant circumstances being the things that lead you. You ought to be led instead by truth. And then the last thing, go back with me to Acts chapter 27. Look in verses 21 down through 25. Verse 21 it says, but after, king, but after long abstinence, uh, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, Ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. You put hope in things you see, and you put hope in people, and your hopes will be dashed. Uh, when we start putting our trust in people, and we start putting our trust in things, that's when we're heading towards shipwreck. What Paul said was, listen, I don't hope in this ship. I don't hope in the crew. My hope is in God. And that's, that's where our hope needs to be. 
Uh, you need to put your expectations on God. Listen, uh, not only have people disappointed me over the years, can I tell you something? I've disappointed a whole bunch of people over the years. Uh, I've probably in some areas disappointed some of you. You know why? Because I'm a human being just like you are. I'm a sinner saved by grace just like you are. And you put your, your faith and your trust and your hope in me, and you're going to get disappointed. You put your faith and trust and hope in anything physical, everything physical on the face of this earth is going to deteriorate. Everything. It's all going to burn up someday, every single bit of it. Uh, where should we put our hope? We need to put our hope and our expectations in God. I love Psalm 62, verse 5. It says, My soul, wait thou only upon God. Wait thou only upon God. Why? For my expectation is from Him. I, I can't tell you how many times I have heard this line. Well, I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore because... And you can fill in the blank. It might be somebody made a decision they didn't agree with, or somebody uh, made a promise that they didn't keep up, up with, uh, somebody did them dirt. But you know what the bo bottom line is? Their expectations were dashed. Listen, um, don't put your expectations in people, and you won't have them dashed. Don't put your expectations in things, and you won't have them dashed. Put your expectations where they're always, where you can always trust them, and that's with God and with God alone. Uh, the conclusion of the whole thing is just simply this. You, you, we need to hold fast our faith, and we need to hold fast a good conscience. What that simply means is this. Trust God and do right. Anytime you trust circumstances, anytime you trust people, Anytime that you, you put your hope in circumstances, people, or things, you're going to get your, your hopes dashed. Why? Because God is the only one in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask that you would take what we've heard this morning and Help us to examine our own lives. It's so easy to start heading down that path of shipwreck. Now, that doesn't mean because someone's being impatient that their lives are shipwrecked. But they're walking down that road. That doesn't mean because uh, someone's putting their faith and trust in people and things that they're already shipwrecked. No, but they're heading down that road. Uh, folks that uh, use circumstances rather than the Bible and truth and godly counsel to make decisions. It doesn't mean they're shipwrecked yet, but they're heading down that road. And Lord, the truth of the matter is we're all susceptible to that. There isn't a person in here that's above it. God, if we're even starting to go down any one of those, those six roads that we've talked about this morning that lead to shipwreck, Help us, number one, to recognize it. Help us, number two, to admit to you that it's wrong. And then number three, help us to turn and trust, and trust you and do that which is right and do that which is true and do that which is honest before you. We ask God that uh, 
you, you would work in this invitation. Lord, uh, anytime I preach any kind of a message, but particularly one like this, you never know uh, what, who's being ministered to and who isn't. But, uh, Father, we all could use this information because any one of us a year from now could be shipwrecked in the faith and have our consciences tossed to the wind. We pray, Father, that you'd help us to see that. Help us, Lord, uh, in any area of our life this morning where you show us that there is a problem, a difficulty, a weakness. Help us to be willing to take care of it today. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.